Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. talk about some things here this morning and ask the Lord to maybe just help us to see it with some fresh eyes. We're introduced in 2 Kings chapter 5 to a man by the name of Naaman. The Bible says, Naaman, the captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria he was also a mighty man of valor. Now this is a pretty impressive resume if you consider the magnitude of what's truly being said that Naaman was the captain of the host of the king of Syria, a great man, an honorable man. And it was under his leadership that God had, had delivered Syria, a mighty man in valor. And what... Uh, I've said so many times it would just be wonderful if we could stop reading right here. And, uh, but that's not where the scripture concludes. Amen. The Bible says that he was a leper. He was a leper. So with the help of the Lord and for just a few moments today, I want to talk to you and to us about the danger of spiritual distraction. I know for several months now I've been talking about how it easy it is to be distracted in the world in which we live there's a lot of things going on amen I'm, I'm not just talking about world events but it's so easy to get distracted just just distracted from the things that we have going on in our life and uh, there can be some real dangers to that and so we'll just ask the Lord to touch his word thank you for your spirit of worship today my goodness you've created a wonderful atmosphere not only for this service, but I believe we've created an atmosphere for the service to come. Amen. That there can be strength and healing. Lord, we love you today and ask you to let your word that is anointed touch our heart as a brand of fire. I pray, oh God, as you touch the lips of Isaiah and as you touch the lips of Jeremiah with a coal from off the altar, I'm asking you to touch mine today. Anoint me, Lord. Your word is anointed, but anoint your vessel so that we can speak your word in a fashion that it's deserving. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. And you, and you can be seated. If we look at, if we were to drop down uh, to just verses 9 and 10, after having heard about the possibility of being healed or delivered from his leprosy from a maiden girl that was really in captivity in, in their home, what a strange uh, vehicle that was used there. 
an, an odd or an unorthodox vehicle, I should say. But Naaman heard that if you could just get to the prophet, if you could get to the man of God, he would pray to his God and deliverance could come. And so the Bible says in verses 9 and 10 that he came with his horses and his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him. And the message was, go and dip seven times. Why? Seven times in Jordan. And he said, when you do this, thy flesh will come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And so it's a, it's a story today for many that is familiar, but not all. And so I won't tell you today that I want us to look at this with fresh eyes. And I ask the Lord humbly this morning to let there be a fresh anointing. It's often been said that it's, it's a shame that when we were young, that we didn't, and when we were young and had all the answers, that we didn't write them down somewhere. <laughs> Go back to that time capsule and uh, just unveil all life's problems. Lord knows that it would have come in handy many, many times. Amen. Certainly would have come in handy in my life. We have a, a course of action in our lives, perhaps a plan. There's nothing wrong with that. I really like to have a plan. We uh, knew what we wanted. Some people I know are greater planners than others, and, and maybe some are more into that than others. But maybe to some degree all of us thought about where we would like to be at a certain point in our life or by a certain time in our life. And, and uh, that would have been seemingly the ideal but there were things along the way that we had no way of knowing. We had no way to anticipate things that would just come into our life unannounced that would change the trajectory of any thought or idea or plan that we may have had. Life can certainly come at us very, very quickly sometimes. Without warning, everything can change. And, and so we've had, I believe I'm speaking to people that today have, that have had to come to terms with some things in our lives that bar a miracle are not going away. They have moved in to stay. He meant some things that we planned in our youth, uh, we have had to reconcile to some degree. These things are just not going to happen. Some of my own personal dreams and, and plans have been stolen from me due to circumstances beyond our control. Amen. Perhaps I didn't accomplish some things not just because the perils of life. There's some things that may not ever come my way because I got distracted and I started pursuing other things and chasing something else. And, and as an end result of that, I circumvented what I had really intended to do. Now, I'm not trying to publicly bemoan anything here today. My point in saying all of this is just this, that sometimes we can get our eyes on the wrong thing and miss the most important thing. And so I want to be diligent every day to say, God, help me to, to rely on your spirit to lead and guide. And, and as David said, order my steps in your word and let not iniquity have any dominion over me. And so order those steps in our word. It's so easy to get distracted and miss what God would be trying to give birth to in our life. 
I understand that some days we get distracted and we don't accomplish everything that was on our to-do list. And while that can have a layer of tragedy to it, nothing could be more tragic than missing the mark spiritually. Amen. Looking back at our text, we are introduced to this man named Naaman. And uh, he had a lot of things going for him according to his uh, first chapter that we read or first verse. The Bible clearly specifies all the things, his accomplishments, but then denotes that he had leprosy. It was not like being diagnosed with a common cold or the flu. The diagnosis of leprosy was a game changer. It was a life changer. He was forced to take, in a moment of time, all of the titles and all of the accolades of men and truly all of the accomplishments, all in an instant, begin to take a back seat at the first sign of the first of the first sign of leprosy he was forced to take all the precautions that any other leper would have to take and those precautions were many i will name just a few for you today the lepers were required to live outside of the camp or outside of the city they couldn't dwell with common people so their only company were were people just like them they were other lepers. There were no one that would be free from that disease. No leper could live in a walled town. Uh, he had to live in an open village. A leper had to warn others. If, a, if by chance they were passing by someone, this person with leprosy, and obviously in the end stages of leprosy, it would be pretty obvious that someone had leprosy. But when it begins, it may not have been as obvious as it would have been later. But nevertheless, the, the law required that if they were passing anybody and anybody was in close proximity, that they had to holler out, unclean, unclean. Or in other words, stay away. How demeaning and demoralizing a leper could not speak to anyone. In truth, he could not speak to anyone because the, the Eastern culture required that any conversation be a part of that conversation would be a, an embrace, a physical touch. And so because they couldn't touch, they were, they were limited grossly their ability to even communicate. No hope, no hope. Think about that, no hope until he heard about the prophet who could heal him. So Naaman, of course, was off with a caravan. He had many things at his disposal, and we find him now standing in front of Elijah's front door in dire need of a miracle. He wasn't here. This was not an everyday man at an everyday visit. Elijah sends, uh, hears of him, sends his servant out with instructions on what to do. And if you know the story, you know there was a little bit of debate about that. But nevertheless, Naaman obeyed the instructions. He goes and he dips those seven required times in the muddy waters of Jordan and he returns the seventh time and he is completely healed of his leprosy. Again, with all of his Syrian splendor, Naaman goes back to Elisha's house because he wants to share with him what has happened. I read one time many years ago that the trip from where he was standing at Elisha's house was, was 50 miles back toward his home. And so he had passed by Jordan's River. Now he had to turn and go back 50 miles to dip seven times. And when he was cleansed, he could have just gone on home. But Naaman was a man that understood, he understood protocol. And he said, I just need to let this man know and so his caravan 50 miles back to Elisha's house to show them that he has been cleansed. Now what I'm trying to say is, is it was a little effort that went into just 
letting him know that he was now standing at the same door proclaiming his faith in the God of Israel. And so Naaman begs Elisha to take a blessing from him. I just want to give you something, which was culturally correct. I just want to give you something. But he said, as the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. He urged him to take it, but he said, I will receive nothing. I don't want anything that you have to give. Amen. Now, it would seem, at least to this point, that Naaman the leper is the heart of this story, and in so many ways he is. We might also consider that, that Elisha and his servant are part of the story, and again, in many ways they are. They played significant roles, but there were more players in this story. Amen. And that is the man that I want to focus on for just a few moments. It was during this encounter with Naaman that Elisha sent his servant Gehazi. He sent his servant Gehazi out the first time to greet Naaman, and he sends him the second time to greet Naaman. And when he went the second time, of course, it was confirmed. He saw all the things that Naaman was offering Elisha. Think about something with me for just a moment. Here is Gehazi, a common servant, but he had been exposed to so many great things. I don't know how much time lapsed between the first visit and the second visit, but here's what we do know, that the man who stands here the second time with leprosy that was eating away at his fingers and his ears and nose is now standing before him completely whole and healed. Amen. In the midst of this miracle, we're seeing the power of God. I don't know about you, but I think, I would certainly like to think that me and everyone in this building, that if, if something like that were to happen, we would be so caught up with a man that was a moment ago so taken by leprosy and now so completely healed that that would be the center stage and that would be the end all of the conversation. But it just wasn't that way. Because while Gehazi was standing at the door and while he was overhearing Naaman offer his master all of these goods and gifts. He can only hear his master saying, I will receive nothing of you. And he got his eyes on the talents of silver and he got his eyes on the raiment. He saw the splendor of Syria. It was just a small glimpse of what he could have. And it was at that point something happened. And uh, we can talk about we can talk about this servant if we'd like today and we can make him out the villain if you want to. We'll go back in the back and we can make some most wanted posters and we can placard them all around this place. But in truth, every one of us have been right where he is. We had our eyes on the wrong thing. God is doing something powerful and miraculous and, and God is drawing and wooing. Can I tell you from the very onset of this service, there's been a pull, there's been a drawing, there's been a wooing, amen, of the Spirit of God. And I hope we have taken advantage of that and not had our eyes somewhere else on something else. In a moment of time, he lost sight of what mattered the most and he got his eyes on things that were destined to decay. I want you to watch very carefully as something unfolds in the scripture for us. The Bible says that when finally uh, Elijah says, I'm not going to receive anything. I won't take anything from you. That when Naaman turned to leave, that Gehazi followed after Naaman. And, uh, and, and then the Bible says when Naaman somehow or another, I don't know if he had a rear view mirror installed, but just somehow or another, he looked in the back and he sees that Gehazi is coming. 
And so he stopped his chariot. He saw him running after him, and he lighted down from the chariot to meet him. And please, I am not reading these scriptures for the sake of time. Amen. Today, I'm reading these with great intention. He lighted down from the chariot, and he said, Is all well? And he said unto him, All is well. But now comes just an out and out blatant lie. He said, My master has sent me, saying, Behold, now there has come to me from Mount Ephraim two young men, the sons of the prophets. Give them, I pray thee, a talent of silver and two changes of garment. He stood in the face of Naaman and, and told the biggest lie that could be told. Amen. Because he was pursuing Naaman and things. Can I ask you today, are we pursuing things in life that when you get them, they're only going to mold and decay. It's only, it won't matter in the end. It won't matter. You don't have to, you don't have to worry. You're going to find somebody that is, that is uh, laying in the hospice uh, house and ask them. They're not worried about the price of gas. They're not worried about what the stock market is doing because none of that is going to matter at that moment. Amen. I don't want to get my eyes on things. Amen. There are some there's something else that we just can't afford to miss here. The Bible says that here is this man, this this servant that has been just a, almost an appendage of Elisha. He's just been right there. He has watched the hand of God move miraculously time and time and time again. He was there at the fulfillment of the Shunammite woman and her desire of a child. He overheard that conversation. He watched God bring life to a womb that had before time been closed. And when this child died in the field, it was Gehazi that witnessed the miraculous restoration of life. Amen. Can I tell you today, it doesn't matter what God has done in your yesterday. If we don't keep God in our today, then he won't be in our tomorrow. Amen. We've got some wonderful things that God has done in all of our lives yesterday. Amen. And I'm so thankful for the move of God that I'm thankful for my heritage. I'm thankful for all of the things that's happened in this service today. But can I tell you that if I just keep God over there, if I keep God where he was and how he was, I don't want to serve a God that's an arm's length away, but I want to pull God into my future because I don't want to be spiritually distracted in the hour in which we live. Amen, Gehazi. Amen, it was, it was Gehazi that, that was the voice to even tell Naaman what to do and how to be healed and how to conduct himself. Gehazi was standing right there after Naaman was healed and he saw him diseased and then he saw him made whole. Yet even after all of this miraculous event, something caught the attention of this man beyond the supernatural. Gehazi's desire for things caused him to reach for something other than God. Amen. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so that means that we cannot have our affections set wholly on two different worlds. Amen. I can't come here with two things on my mind. I've got to push everything else aside. I've got to push everything else away and say, Lord, today it is only you. It is only about you. It is only about you. I understand that we've got to have things in life. We've got to have stuff in life. But the Bible says if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that he would add all these other things to us. If I can just stay focused and realize that he is the center of my world, and so I can't 
be in love with two different worlds. We're either pursuing the things of this natural world or we're pursuing the things of the spiritual world. One more thing that I would like to point out is this in verse 21. The Bible says that when Naaman, or rather when, yes, when Naaman saw Gehazi running after him, if I'd like your attention, if you hadn't heard anything else, just hear this. That when Naaman was riding away in his chariot, and he saw Gehazi coming after him, the Bible says that he lighted down or he came down from his chariot to meet him. So when Naaman saw the servant coming, he stopped the chariot, stepped off the chariot, and met the servant coming, and then gladly gave him what he wanted. And here's my point. Sometimes when you're chasing the wrong thing, it all seems like the will of God because of the ease with which it comes. Gehazi didn't have to run until he was completely out of wind. He didn't have to pursue this until he was just completely spent, soaked with sweat, can't get my last breath or my next breath. But Naaman stopped. Can I help? He came back to meet him. It's scary sometimes what we use to confirm the will of God in our life. Amen. Because everything walking toward you is not walking toward you with the right intention. And everything that looks like it's right isn't right. And that's why we so much need to not be distracted in a spiritual time of our life. Amen. The servant, amen. All the servant had to do was just start walking in the way of Naaman. And Naaman did all the rest. Just because something comes easy doesn't mean it's the will of God. Not at all. Not at all. If things that were only the will, if only things that were the will of God came easy, no children would be born. Can the mother say amen? And I ought to get an apple pie out of that. We have to understand this that there are people sitting here today that have witnessed miraculous powers of God at work in their own life. People that you know, God has performed miracles, real biblical miracles in their life. But you see, seeing someone delivered is not enough, or even being delivered ourselves is not enough, and being blessed is not enough. The lack of, of spiritual intuitiveness can give birth to complacency in our life. And and, and after a while, it just comes so easy until if other people are worshiping at a greater level, we can just kind of enjoy what they're praying down. And we don't need to pray it down so much ourselves. I'll say again that just because you're a part of a praying church doesn't make you a praying person. And just because you're a part of a spiritual body doesn't make you a spiritual person. I've got, I've got to make sure that I, I take care of that myself. I need to make sure that I am the one that is holding myself accountable to those things. And so if we're not careful, the spirit of indifference can start rising up in our heart when we allow room for things that are not right. Gradually, Satan comes in to the point where the worship and the word become trivial and insignificant. And so just because we've seen miracles or just because we've even experienced miracles is not powerful enough to keep us focused on the right thing. Can I tell you, and I, I'm not trying to paint your world gray, but can I tell you that it really is a daily thing? 
It really is a daily thing. I've watched people that appear to be bored to tears while standing or sitting in the very presence of God, wondering how much longer will this last? When will we be out? And, and, and how much longer? How, much, how many more times? How much? How much? How much? And the presence of a living God is here. All of this after God had met needs, healed children, mended relationships. And then just suddenly this all just becomes mundane and it's not important because we've just gotten distracted and we're just investing in wrong worlds and chasing wrong things. And when you get it all in one pile, it's not going to matter at all anymore. It really won't matter at all. You see, the danger is this, that after all the things that we've witnessed, the presence of God becomes just commonplace. That's what happened in the Old Testament when, when the, the, the Ark of the Covenant was placed in someone's house and it just became a piece of furniture. And, and so we can touch it if we want it. We, we can move if we want it. it. It doesn't have to have the significance that it one time did because it's just been so become so common, so common it's just another piece of furniture but can I tell you it's not just another piece of furniture so all that brings us all of this brings us to where we are in the storyline Gehazi receives these two talents of silver and two changes of garment and he claims they're for somebody else but they're clearly his and he, he, he hides them and and now Elisha knows something is up. And he's standing before Elisha. And so I want us to look carefully here at verse 24. The Bible says, And when he came to the tower, he took them, talking about the silver and the garments, from their hand, and bestowed them in the house, and let the men go, and they were departed. Amen. He he met them, he came to the tower, the Bible says, when he came to the tower. The word which is translated tower is very significant. I know what we think of when we just heard the word tower. He came to the tower, but what it really means is that the word tower in this context means a secret, dark hiding place. And so here is a man that was doing an ill deed and he was doing in the darkness and he sought darkness to conceal it. But you're not going to hide it from God. I don't know where Elisha was or what Elisha was doing, but somewhere God reached down and nudged him and said, Elisha, I need you to get up. And I need you to go to check on your servant. Amen. The prophet's discerning spirit found him out. And so he goes and somewhat innocently he says, he stood before his master, and, and Elisha said to him, He said, Whence comest thou, Gehazi? And I want you to notice again the wording of verse 25. And he said, Thy servant went no whither. No whither. 2 Kings 5 and 25. That's an unusual phrase, no whither. In the old English, it really means he was saying, I went hither and thither. Are you with me? 
Amen. He said, I went nowhere, but what he was really saying is I went hither and thither. Maybe we might say it like this today. I went over here for a little while, and then I left, and I went over here for a little while. I've just been meandering around. Some might fold their arms and said, just taking care of a little business. I've just been doing my own thing. See, we can, just, we can just keep talking and massaging these words until we get it right down to our, it'll fit in our mailbox. Where you been? I've been doing what I wanted to do. Amen. Where, where you been? What you been doing? I've been doing what was more important to me. I've been doing what I thought was the top of my list. Amen. Am I all right now? Amen. I've been doing whatever I wanted to do. That's what I've been. That's where I've been and that's what I've been doing. And now this broken hearted prophet, he looks at him and he said, How is it that my heart was not with you? How did you, how did you walk away from all, all the things you have seen the hand of God do? You've watched God move. You, you were there when the woman said she couldn't have a child and you watched God put a seed in her womb and you watched that child be born. How, how is it that when that child died, you knew that child died and you watched God bring that child back to life? How could you stand in the presence of all the miraculous things? How could you stand and open the door and see a man that you've never met before standing there with his ears gone, his nose eaten away, his fingers chewed away with leprosy, but he comes back and knocks again and he's made whole. How could you do all of that and then just walk away? How is it that you could walk that far away from my heart? It was a moment of reckoning. It was really a moment of judgment. And I, I, I want to conclude here with verse 27. The Bible says that the leprosy, therefore, of Naaman. Here's your sentence, sir. Here's your sentence. The leprosy, therefore, of Naaman shall cleave unto thee. And I'm going to go back to my text and say, Oh, if we could just stop right here. If we could just stop right here and say, now Naaman, you've done, uh, uh, you, you've done something very, very bad. You've done, you've done something very distasteful, Gehazi. You, you've stepped outside of the will of God. You, in a moment of spiritual distraction, the leprosy that was in Naaman's life is in your life. But you see, there's not a period right there, but there's a comma right there. And it says, and unto thy seed forever now this is not going to come in the sweet by and by this is not going to happen somewhere over the rainbow this is not going to all unfold over the next 90 days but the Bible says that he went out of the presence of Elisha a leper white as snow so for that brief moment that you were holding on to that silver and for that brief moment that you were cherishing those garments it came with a high price and can I tell you that life is moving at warp speed 
I know if you're 15 years old today and you're in this audience, you don't think that. You may think at 18 or 20 that life's kind of just easing along. But I'm going to tell you, sir, ma'am, one of these nights while you're asleep, somebody's going to reach down and flip a switch. And life is just going to go into overdrive and it's going by so fast, so fast. And so all the things that we've gathered that were not of God, it's, it's not going to matter now. I'm going to ask you to stand. Spiritual distraction. What, what caused them to lose sight? Who knows? Who knows? You, I have probably shared this somewhere through the years, but let me, let me close with this. I found this interesting years ago while reading this passage of Scripture and doing a little study into this. I found something, I will use the word interesting to me, but it was horrifying, really. That according to Bible historians, that because Gehazi's family knew that if we have a child, they're going to be a leper, that they made a conscious decision to not have children because we'll just have children and they're going to be born with leprosy and, and so we'll just stop this and we won't have any children and as a result as you can only imagine that very quickly Gehazi's family name died and disappeared from the scene altogether Amen I want to take you back just one more time I'm not trying to be redundant but this is the same man that was there when it happened the same man that could have sat down brother Williams with his children and grandchildren and said you should have been there wow I watched God with these eyes I watched God his grandchildren could have been coming bringing their neighbor friends saying Papa tell that story again will you sent the Syrian leader down to dip in the water but you see there wasn't a generation to share the story with because it all just went away praise God I feel the Holy Ghost today in this house I feel the Holy Ghost touching our heart can I tell you And I don't want to minimize what we've had here today but can I tell you that in just a few short minutes we're going to dismiss this this service before you know it is going to be in the pages of this church's history and the history of your heart it's really what we take away from here it's really what we instill in the heart of others it's really the portion and the measure of this that we take home with us that's what really matters staying focused staying on track keeping the main thing, the main thing. Somehow, amen, would you let the spirit of this sobering nature of the Holy Ghost that we feel today, amen, can we just let... This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. 
Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.